Cyber risk and compliance automation is finally here. Legacy GRC systems cannot support the powerful, real-time automation and oversight that organizations require to take risks that matter to succeed. CyberSync continuous control automation ingests data from the ITGRC stack to update controls against regulatory requirements and risks in real time, delivering insights and visibility. See how members of the Fortune 500 are saving millions annually by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash CyberSync. Cybercriminals are using social engineering, loaded with urgency and fear, to successfully prey on victims, your employees, or your customers. Protect your Office 365 email from today's most sophisticated attacks with Barracuda Email Threat Scanner. It's a free tool to help protect your business from these hard-to-detect attacks. The Barracuda Email Threat Scanner uses artificial intelligence to hunt and eliminate Office 365 email threats. Find the cybersecurity threats hiding in your Office 365 email right now. Get your free email threat scan at securityweekly.com forward slash Barracuda. Welcome back to Business Security Weekly. I'm Adrian Sanabria, standing in for Matt Alderman, and I am joined by Jason Albuquerque and Josh Marpet. Cyber Risk Alliance, in partnership with InfraGuard, has launched the Critical Infrastructure Resilience Benchmark Study. Measure your readiness for ransomware by completing the survey and getting your score. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash CIRB to take the survey. Would be very interested to see the results of that. Security Weekly Unlocked will be held in person this December, December 5th through December 8th at the Hilton Lake Buena Vista. We are super excited to announce our first round of speakers and uh, some of these are keynote speakers. David Kennedy, Dave Kennedy, we know him as Dave Kennedy. I don't know why we have David in there. Alyssa Miller, O'Shea Bowens, Marina Ciavada, Patrick Coble, Chris Eng of Vericode, Eric Escobar, Kevin Johnson of Secure Ideas, if I'm not mistaken, and Justin Kohler. Very, very nice lineup there. Very good uh, selection of speakers. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash unlock to register and check out our Rockstar lineup. And that is going to continue to change. Uh, we finished the uh, the CFPs the other day, and uh, so we'll, we'll be updating with the rest of our speakers. All right. On to the news. Uh, or actually, it's not news. Leadership uh, for, for this articles. Leadership and communication articles. <laughs> now, as I was mentioning during the break um, uh, to, to uh, the folks here, Matt does this really slick job of usually connecting all these articles in some way. I wasn't quite as good at, at doing that. You know, I, there's definitely some that are interrelated, but uh, but some aren't. So yeah. uh, you have to forgive me for that. Matt will be back <laughs> next week. Don't hate me. <laughs> so the first one here I, I, I thought was interesting because it's um, – you know, I mean, it's one of these listicle articles, you know, 10 security tools all remote mm. employees should have. And, and I found it interesting. I, I'm not sure if they're just struggling to find uh, something to fill out the, the 10 there, but it seems <laughs> like it's a mix between like, you know, personal stuff. Like it was kind of weird seeing digital wallets as number two yeah. on there, yeah. okay. <laughs> but, you know, but certainly, you, you know, like, like they're speaking from an enterprise perspective sure, sure. here. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what, that's actually kind of appropriate because those lines are all blurred now. And, and why shouldn't, you know, your your day job uh, help train you on, on how to keep your, your own stuff safe? 100%. And that, that's something that, you know, that I've made sure within the culture of organizations that I'm at, 
you know, a, a lot of the cybersecurity awareness trainings and, and communications and things of that nature, many times were on a more personal level because my thought process was if folks are gonna be cognizant at home, right, and, and, and really start looking at cyber hygiene and cybersecurity best practices and, and securing their home life, they're gonna, that's gonna bleed into the job, right? That's gonna bleed into their day-to-day. -day. So why not, you know, have that kind of um, bleed over into, into personal life? Why not? Absolutely, I mean, we're helping our employees no matter what, right? We're giving them good um, techniques and tools to use. And if any of that um, best practice bleeds into, into work life, good on us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because, you know, we talk about training employees, you know, and it really doesn't make sense to, you know, draw a cutoff between work stuff and home stuff mm -hmm. anymore. It's it's just too interconnected. Like, like we're going to put the MFA app on their phone and we want them to look at their email on their phone, mm -hmm. but we're just going to ignore the rest of the phone. <laughs> <laughs> right. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, just, you know, good, good you know, cybersecurity practices uh, apply to everything. 100%. And, and, and again, I think giving folks the tools that they can use in their personal life will only help in, in, I in have the business a, world. I have a horrible joke about cybersecurity applies to everything. A friend of mine on <laughs> Facebook made a joke, uh, uh, basically the jokes of yesteryear about, you know, uh, uh, sex and cybersecurity. It was something about... <laughs> Wetware and 2FA. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> All righty. On to the second article. <laughs> um, Jason, I thought you'd find this one interesting. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was a bit muddled in, in you know, I had, had a little trouble figuring this out, mm -hmm. but a pretty big survey. I mean, it's not common that we see, you know, thousands of respondents and surveys, and we've got two of those uh, mm -hmm. that we're going to be talking about today. And th this one, over 3,000 respondents to it. And um, I think it was interesting just basically talking about where the CISO lies in the organization yeah. or whether yeah. or not there's even a CISO. It sounds like in some cases they're talking about security teams uh, without a security leader reporting directly to the CIO. Mm -hmm. So. Interested in your your uh, your hot take on this? Yeah, one. I mean, you know, coming from an organization that had six thousand customers, right? I mean, I got to see pretty much every every iteration of a cybersecurity team, if one existed, right? That there was. I've seen, you know, no CISO at all in in you know security underneath the IT team, right? Really, really managing more of the infrastructure type cybersecurity. I've seen, you know, uh, directors report up to legal teams and not have a CISO. I've seen CISOs report to chief risk officers, and then I've seen, you know, CISOs report to, uh, directly to a, to a CEO. So, I mean, I've seen every iteration. Um, I will say, you know, the security leader reporting directly to the CEO is, is one that you don't see a lot of. Um, I'm starting to see more and more risk officers um, reporting up to CEOs than, than uh than, than a CISO. I think I've said on this show before, um, if you're a security leader, start learning and in, in, in practicing business risk management and, and risk management in general, or you end up reporting one, right? 100%. Here, because here. right now it is, it is all about risk management, right? I mean, that's at the C-suite, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about risk management, business risk management, and, and cybersecurity fits into that along with many other domains in, in business risk management. So, you know, I, I would say that's, that's my advice is start looking toward um, becoming more of that risk manager. 
versus the the technical CISO, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, there have been studies done about uh, organizational uh, uh, structure, mm-hmm. and weirdly enough, if I remember correctly, the CISOs that reported up to CFOs actually were more effective than almost any other mm-hmm. configuration. And the reason is, is that if the the CISO can, uh, this is the reason from the study. I'm not yeah. saying it's absolute, you know, bare metal truth or whatever, but if the CISO has a relationship with the CFO as their the reporting officer, they can explain things to the CFO and the CFO goes, all right, let's fit it into the budget. Sure. And they're sure. the ones that get to put stuff in the budget. Yeah. And there, there are many instances where the CFO plays that de facto risk manager. If you don't yeah, have oh, a absolutely. CRO, right? The, this, I've known many CFOs are playing that business risk role completely. And that and that's the key. If you can articulate, here's the business risk, here's how it's going to affect our customers, here's how it's going to affect our employees and in our ability to drive revenue, um, you know, that CFO is going to invest, 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 no doubt about it. And uh, even if you don't report to the CFO, words of wisdom, get a good relationship with the CFO. <laughs> oh, well said, well said. Here, here. And, and you know, I'm, I'm going to say that, um, you know, I, I think it's also important how the relationship flows the other way. You know, I've, I've reported mm-hmm. up to within the same organization. I've worked up, reported up through uh, the CIO and the CFO mm-hmm. and um, completely different experience. You know, when you're trying to sell something, you know, when you sure. when you're trying to, um, you know, convince them of something uh, in, internally, you know, and I, I think the uh, got some really good guidance you know, from from the CFO mm-hmm. on on how they see things, and much more of that risk management kind of mindset yeah. uh, than you're going to get from the uh, IT 100%. side of the house. So I, I think there's actually some benefits there, and and some stuff that uh, security folks, mm-hmm. uh, CISOs can can learn reporting yeah. up through through uh, a CFO where where mm-hmm. things are like there's metrics for everything. You know, a lot of logic goes into the mm-hmm. decisions. Uh, a lot of uh, you know, what's the rationale? You know, a lot of investment request. strategy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I agree. And, and, you know, ultimately, my mindset is no matter where you you report, if you are the security leader in an organization, do not let hierarchy, do, let, do not let organizational charts um, define your level of leadership. You are the security leader. Build relationships with whomever you need to build relationships with. And then I would, I would say uh, build relationships with all of those executive leaders. Because at the end of the day, it may be you and another business unit sitting down with the CFO to make a case, right? Because you have, uh, you have that relationship with the business unit leader. Let's say if you're a services organization, right? You and the executive vice president of services sit down and you make a case for investment in, into you know, a security architecture. But it's your job to, to, to really be able to articulate that to the business unit. Because the last thing you want is to present a solution and have the business units clamoring and, and not supporting it, right? You want to you wanna have evangelist within the organization. So, you know, uh, while this, this survey is great at current state, uh, I would say do not let an org chart define your leadership. Go lead. Go lead security for your organization. The third article here, um, not a, a huge fan of the, you know, just continuing into series of uh, articles that sound like they're going to be really good. I get excited and, and they're just not put together all that well. Um, but um, by, I, I think it gets the tone right. You know, uh, yeah, rapid IT response, uh, you know, IR response is super important, more so today than ever. And um, mm. emphasis on preparedness and practice, which traditionally we almost – 
never see people practice unless they're made to, you know, uh, by regulation or something like that. I think PCI requires once a year and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and what you'll see people do for that annual IR practice is, is pretty, pretty sad. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the check in the box mentality, right? At the end of the day, you're doing what you have to do to put the check in the box. And, and ultimately that's not where we want to be, right? We want to, we want to be in scenarios where you have muscle memory. You know, I talk about yeah. that muscle memory all the time and it's, it's be able to, um, you know, be able to adapt and overcome no matter what scenario comes to you. Right. And an incident response could be anything from a cyber attack to, to bringing your IT systems back up and running, right? A more BCDR focused type plan, but they all play together and, and we really got to be building that, that muscle memory. And I, it's probably, it's probably the military thing in me, right? I mean, you have, uh, well, you have to train the way you fight. You have to, we have to train the yeah, way you fight. And, and I love well, that you said muscle memory and we got the Olympics going on right mm-hmm. now. And, and ha- having spent uh, five years as a chief incident handler, you know, like when I would train incident response folks, I, I tell them, look, like you got to be looking at this stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a baseline uh, for what's normal in your systems, mm-hmm. and the first time you go look at a sim, you're going to think everything's on fire right. all the time. Right. Like, like there, there's ridiculous there misconfigurations in there, errors, you know, all kinds of stuff that looks shady. And um, the more and more I think about it, the more I think an analogy to sports you know, mm-hmm. and, and to, yeah, you, you, you take it to military. I, I kind of think sports. Sure. And if we're practicing once a year, you know, yeah, you're going to suck at that. Right. <laughs> you're right. not going to be good at that. Uh, when you, when can't the even, you can't even jump in a pickup game if you play once a year. <laughs> no, when I exactly. Was a cop, you're going to be cop, winded. qualified one with our in. firearms once a year. Oof. You know, and, and like the ones that only <laughs> went to the range once a year, they right. would more, most, yeah, they qualify. Buy. but the ones of us that were there like i get free ammo cool right, i'm gonna go right. practice because we're also cops and poor as church mice you know <laughs> as the saying goes well i was literally there probably twice a week because i got free ammo and sodas and cool i'll i'll yeah. shoot things that's right. no problem um i i was a little easier for me to qualify than than the guy exactly. that ride drives the minivan and and shows up once a year and mm-hmm. goes ha I should probably oil this once in a while. <laughs> um, and that's kind of the same thing as, as preparing for an incident response. Right. And, and, you know, I, I wanted to bring this up. You said checkbox security would, you know, check the box, right? Mm-hmm. Checkbox security is, is great if you're in 1992. Right. Because these days we have, you know, security that's an ongoing process. And if it's not built into all of your processes, if disaster res- recovery, if incident response, mm-hmm. if security in general and all of its many manifestations isn't built into your processes and into your risk management and into your uh, uh, every bit of this that you do, okay, uh, you're having problems or you're going to, you know, soon. Mm-hmm. So I, I punted on this article and you know, basically said, well, instead, you know, there's this post on LinkedIn uh, that I found really interesting. Uh, so Ian Amit, if if talking Ian Amit, well known in, in the security space, uh, very vocal guy, uh, was observing the cyber crisis simulation they're doing as part of Israel's Cyber Week, where they have uh, besides Israel, you know, and uh, a big commercial conference going on, a bunch of people flock out there. And, uh, and his observations were really interesting and it's uh, completely unsurprising to me because I've, I've been there and I've seen it, you know, when emotions <laughs> run high, 
and the incident is declared, uh, you know, people's egos yep. <laughs> shine brightly. And uh, quotes like uh, processes are completely lacking. Experts were sidelined by more vocal people basically mm-hmm. being shouted down. He who yells loudest drives the whole right. response. I totally disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for demonstrating, Josh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's very... Uh... You know, it's eye-opening when, when, you know, the results of this are there's no, there was no clear lead. Decisions have been made based on who's talking the most and the loudest. That's, I mean, how do you operate in chaos like that? <laughs> yeah, in all and honesty, I, I, it's, I, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, Adrian, give me three seconds. I, I, sure. I am a very loud guy. Okay. There's something in InfoSec called Clan Bullhorn and I'm one of the members. <laughs> And uh, what I learned, and I had to learn this, was that occasionally I need to shut up and sit down and listen. And I need to do it more than occasionally, and I'm, I'm actually getting better at it. But it's, as I inter- interrupted Adrian to say this, so that really just hit me. That's funny. But um, you, <laughs> as loud as you are, or as loud as you can be, you need to shut up, sit down, and listen. And sometimes there's times you have to stand up and yell. Uh, but it's, it, wisdom is knowing which is which. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, if, if we're training the way we fight, it's well-defined who the lead is. It's well-defined whose role does yeah. what. It's well-defined who's, who's person, what person is communicating, right? It's, or, well, it's either be. going to be or you're going to know who the problem is. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and, yes, and, and you'll, yes. And you'll be able to manage that problem, you know, yes. when, when, when the thing actually happens. But yeah, yeah, I, I've been in situations where two people tried to run the incident at the same time, it, you know, mm-hmm. and it's why in your incident response plan, you very clearly lay out responsibilities, yeah. you know, who's going to do what I've been in cases where none of us could get our, our queries to finish in the SIM. Cause like three of us were all running the same big query at the same yeah. time. <laughs> and the system was having to split resources between us yeah. idiots, you know, all, all had the same thought at the same time. It was a good thought, but you know, we weren't communicating well, right. you know, so we didn't communicate the fact that we we're all trying to investigate the same thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I've, I, you know, I've mentioned it before. And, and one of the things I think, uh, you know, during my early career that benefited me was dealing with emergency management organizations in the public sector, right? Their emergency response is to the T, right? I mean, if you're dealing with the National Guard and you're dealing with the state and, and they're in, a, in FEMA and they're in an emergency response type activity um that diligence in in that type of of um you know response process that that really helped me in 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 ir and helping define it right so it's it's one of those things that you kind of take um you know take take some skills from the past and, and and bring them to your new life that helped me a lot i mean if you look at some of those emergency management protocols they fit in well yeah i'm totally impressed when i went to get vaccinated the national guard was running it and, and mm-hmm. uh that that was my first experience uh with them and you didn't even we didn't even have to get out of our cars we just rolled down the window yeah. rolled up our sleeve and i was in and out of there mm-hmm. and like i swear 90 seconds when i did one of them it was insane so a lot of respect there for for uh, how well they can run stuff and we don't necessarily need to get to that level no, in every right, organization, right. but certainly better than, than where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so speaking about how we're doing with stuff, you know, I thought this uh, state of cybersecurity in 2021 survey, they surveyed 2,700, over 2,700 people. Basically, like, like where are we? And, 
you know, now that we're getting hit so hard with ransomware and, and other supply chain threats and other stuff, you know, and like, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to do better? And the, I, I was less than impressed with the, with the results. Uh, basically TLDR, what we're doing now, but more was kind of the response that came out of the survey. <laughs> Which to me define like isn't that defining insanity? Totally, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, well, the the problem is it's an arms race. Everything we do gets countered by the the opposing force. So we should just do more of it because really it's hard to think of what's the next revolution. Yeah, I, I mean, and nobody really wants to be first. I'm not saying nobody needs more products or needs to buy more things to round mm. out their product portfolio, but I, I am going to say you should probably also spend some time on process and, and practice like we were saying earlier. Like yeah. to me, when, when I analyze, when I, when I do postmortems on, on breaches, um, every single time, you know, 90% plus are process failures, process and mm -hmm. people failures, the kind of stuff that you solve by making sure things are configured correctly, making sure people know what their job is and what, and, and what to do and how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also say, I mean, we've talked about this before, Adrian, is the adoption of the technologies is a struggle these days too, right? Because you can go out there and buy whatever magic quadrant, best of breed, whatever, and slap it in your network and, and, and have 50 of those, right? Um, but when you're not adopting the technology, what good does it do, right? So we've had the conversations of we're probably better off getting, um, you know, getting platforms that integrate better. Maybe it's an yeah. ecosystem of products, right, that allow you to give you the context, allow the employees and the staff to adopt it at the highest levels possible. And, and really get value out of these tools, right? 60 security tools within your organization that are all siloed and don't talk to each other do us no good. They create noise. Huge they create, overhead. They create a lot of work, and they create a lot of data for our folks to manage, right? And, and, and managing 20% uh, of those platforms, it, it, it brings no value. So, you know, it's process, it's procedure, it's policies, and it's leveraging the tools you have or getting better tools that better integrate. You mean yeah, an I've ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? What yeah. an idea. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've seen organizations where, you know, one of the security leaders just has this tight relationship with their reseller, mm -hmm. you know, or, or, you know, a vendor or something like that, you know, and it's, it's almost a social thing. Like they really want to bring on the product, you know, they get a good relationship with them. Yeah. Maybe they even invested uh, in, in, in the company, um, but, but they're not thinking about like, who are they going to sideline to get this thing up and running, you know, and to maintain it, you know, and, and what are they doing right now that you're going to sideline to do that? You know, right, are, right. are you willing to hire more people to bring on this, you know, this tool? Maybe you got the budget for the tool, but not for the people to run it. Like, right, right. I just, you know, you I, I just picture a warehouse full of Lamborghinis when what you really need is a train. <laughs> You need a train to haul shit, right? And you, but instead, you went out and you bought a Maserati, a Lamborghini, and a Ferrari, and you stick it in a warehouse, right? It's not. Yeah. I mean, you get all these nice shiny things that are on the magic quadrant, but are they doing any good for you? Are they actually doing what they're meant to be doing for your organization? I needed a train. Hey, not nobody gets Maseratis. fired for buying a Lambo. <laughs> <laughs> are we sure about that? Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, damn it! I'm gonna stake my curtain. No, just kidding. <laughs> Oh man, I've got a story that I'm not going to share. That that uh, you that just hit very close to home. All right. The warehouse. Well, when we break, you can tell it in private. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 
we go have a beer, any of our listeners, if we have a go beer, some uh, go share a beer somewhere, I will share the story. Nice. But not here. <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, so I, I, the next two are, are, well, actually the next three, you know, the, the last three here uh, all kind of have a foot in the product space. Uh, you know, organizations uh, where, you know, CISOs are not just corporate CISOs, but they're also companies that sell software products of, of some kind, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you're you also that kind of CISO, right, Jason? Like, like yep. it's, it's ver- some very distinct different hats that you're wearing yeah. in that kind of role, right? 100%. I mean, it, not only are you responsible for internal IT security, right? Um, but you're you're responsible for a lot of customer facing uh, offers. You're you're responsible for customer facing compliance. So so me for example, right? When um, it's one of those scenarios where you know we were managing to 18 different authority documents because we had customers who required that for a vendor risk management perspective. So I had you know information security and governance risk and compliance, and we had to do that. And at the same time, we're an IT services organization and a managed services organization. I'm actually helping build offers. I'm helping build service lines. I'm helping do, and then and then also I'm an exec, executive briefing center facilitator. So when you know C level executives from customers would come in, I'd spend half a day, full day with them, talking about their business, talking about their business plans, talking about their IT projects and their IT plans and their security risks and, and, and concerns they had there. So yeah, I mean you have a couple, you have a few different hats, right? You have the internal operational side, you have a sales side to you, right? And then you yep. have a customer success side to you. Yep. Yeah. And so th- this article, uh, I hadn't heard this before I saw this article, but apparently some Kaseya employees, which not surprising, had pointed out some mm-hmm. of the security risks uh, that the the software had, that the company had. And, uh, you know, apparently some quit over it. You know, some were, mm-hmm. were even fired over it. And, and I've been in organizations where, you know, pointing out st- stuff like that yeah. makes you not a team player, you know, ma- makes you a troublemaker, you know, and, uh, you know, you're supposed to just look the other way and yeah, mm. or, or, you know, they downplay it. We know there's the, def- yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. You know, we're going to move to a new software framework and the next provision next year. So there's mm-hmm. no point in fixing it now, you know, all those excuses sure, you hear, sure. right? Like, like you know, when we get off a of cold fusion, all that'll get fixed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll say if there were folks who worked there who, uh, who who bubbled this up to the top and, and um, you know, they met resistance or they were told to look the other way, good on them for leaving the organization. Because, you know, that's yeah. that's that's blasphemy in my eyes. That, so that answers uh, one of my questions for you, <laughs> which, which is what do you do when you're in that position when they, yeah. they don't want to hear it? No, that's you know, that so, uh, utter blasphemy. I I mean honestly, right? I I'm I'm of the I'm cut off the cloth of that see you know see something say something. I don't care who you are in the organization. If mm-hmm. you're the, if you're, you know, if you're a custodian in the organization and you see something, I want you to say something. 100%. And especially knowing that you have customers at risk. That takes it to a whole other level as well, right? So so not only are you affecting your organization, you're affecting all the customers. So uh, you know, to, to, to stomp that out, to, to sweep that under the rug, that's, that's, that's an organization I would leave quickly, 100%. You know, and, and then at the end of the day, you know, your gut and your heart is going to say, hey, do I raise this up to a, to a higher authority and, and say something there? Um, knowing, I would say if you know the risk. I mean, look at what happened out of Kaseya, right? I mean, at the end of the day, knowing that level of risk, that's, that's bad, bad mojo, right? So, 
at least we got something to point to, right? Right. Like it right. doesn't always help, but uh, but it, it can't hurt saying you know yeah. that this could be us. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and you know, as a security well, professional within an organization, that's that's your brand as well, right? I mean, you have a corporate brand, but you also have a personal brand. And I, yeah. I feel very strongly about yeah. people's personal brands. And do you want your name on that brand? Yeah. Do do your ethics align exactly with the company that you work for? You know, mm. can you, you know, see them sweep that under the rug and and be and feel good cool about yourself in the morning? Being on your LinkedIn. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> you know, you've What's got this got the hole here in your issues? resume? Like, I don't want to be asked that. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Josh? You've got the whistleblower issues as well. Yeah. I mean, you've got yeah. people that are yeah. like, I, I started this company because it's a wonderful company. And then all of a sudden I realized the ethics are not good. Mm -hmm. And I know bad things that are going to hurt people. What do I do? Yeah. And it's it's something that in InfoSec we don't think about. We're like, oh, it's, we don't run into those things, but we do. Mm -hmm. We run into situations where data has been lost. We run into situations where data will be lost, where people will die. Mm -hmm. Okay, we, you know, our, our first segment was about OT. Look at the hospitals that got shut down by yeah. ransomware that yeah. people died because of it. Yeah. Okay, if we know a hospital, if we work at a hospital and we realize that they're not testing their restores, they're not testing their backups, they're not doing backups properly. You know, we, we work through the system and try to get it fixed. But at some point, do we go, screw it, I'm going to law enforcement, I'm going to health and human services and say there's mm -hmm. a HIPAA problem. Yeah. You know, what do you do? What does our ethical code say? Sure. Yeah, and, and I mean, there are many organizations who have a whistleblower program. It's part of their program that reports into HR, and and they're obligated to raise that risk. But not every organization has something like that, right? So, you know, from 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 my side, is is if you do see something and nothing's being done about it, bring it up through your whistleblower process, right? And and and, and let that process play out. And then if it goes nowhere, now now you know you have a hard decision to make, right? And and by no means do I want to you know, appear like I think this is something easy to do. It's not, it's hard. It's a hard decision to make. Right. But, but at the end of the day, it's gut check time. And and if you know what's right, you do what's right. Yeah. And I've, I've got to say this, just one thing uh, on, on, on discord, Jason, mm. um, I don't know if you saw what was said to, about you by schmooze. No. But apparently you're the full package risk juggler. All right. <laughs> Your new title, sir? Full package risk full package. juggler. I don't know if that's a compliment. Is that a, I hope it's a compliment. I think it is. I think it's a compliment. Schmooze, I, I, a try, compliment? I try. I <laughs> try. No, well, well thank you. Minutes. If it was a compliment, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's it's... Uh, it's a scenario where I've I've uh, I've worked with a lot of very very large clients. I've worked with um, you know some some great companies and some great people. Uh, and and really uh, you know in my line of business, I found that trust and integrity are the foundation of every relationship you're ever going to have. And, uh -huh. and and honestly, you have to uh, you have to think about that when you're making decisions, right? Um, yeah. You know yeah. we're we're in that game of tr of trust. You know, cybersecurity is the epitome of the trust game. And, and and at the end of the day, we we can't we can't take integrity and just you know sweep it under the well, rug. We can't. And, and, and more than that, this kind of it will blossom into something that spreads to other people. People mm -hmm. talk. Oh yeah. You know, people are like, hey, I, I saw that you worked at uh, Company X. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, yeah. interviewing there. You know, anything you want to tell me? Right. right. You know, and oh, and. Dear. <laughs> People how many people in organizations? How many people in organizations in this industry have a warning label? <laughs> yeah, you you can't cover that stuff up, and companies think you can. 
you know, but, uh, but you, you really need to, to walk the walk, you yeah. know, and, uh, you know, even, and, and that's how some people define integrity, right? It's what you do and nobody else is watching. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, yeah, and you so, want to know what that, that trust factor when you're building those relationships across the business and with those, with those other business unit leaders, um, that trust eventually equates to influence. Because when folks trust you, mm -hmm. they're going to listen to you and they're going to follow your recommendations. And to be honest with you, they're going to become evangelists and they're going to go sit there side by side in front of the CFO and CEO and fight for what's right, right? Because you have that level of influence and, and you have that level of trust. And that's, that's the only way to build it. It really is, is, is having a level of integrity, you know, taking that trust factor to the, to the nth degree and, and making sure you're, you're living by it. You have to. Because then your team does their damn job right. That's right. Because they trust you to have 100%, their backs. 100%. All day, every day. And on that note, I think that's a, a great one to wrap on. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. Thank you to everyone for watching. And we'll see you next week on Business Security Weekly when Matt should be back. <laughs>